Thank you for joining us on the Real Life Podcast. Today we're talking to Matt Layton about his journey through addiction. Many people that we know, or maybe we ourselves, have walked through addiction, and it feels like we're alone in it. Matt shares his story today, talking about his journey from addiction into healing. We believe that the Lord would desire that everybody would be healed from addiction, and in this, Matt shares what he's done in his life. Well, today we are here with Matt Layton. How are you doing, Matt? Good. Very good. It's good. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you joining us. And Thank you. I'm looking forward. We were talking a little bit ahead of time, a little bit before this, and I don't know that I've ever heard your full story, and I'm really excited to hear it. Not because I want to hear all the details, but because, man, you've had such transformation in your life. It's been something that is evident from just talking to you, man. God has changed you. And so today we're talking about addiction, and we're talking about... Um, your whole journey in that. So are you ready? Yes. <laughs> let's do it. Take it away. Let's, let's, yeah, it. let's start by just, what, tell us about some of your story, man. Man, some of my story, it's, I mean, I grew up in a good home, you know, mom and dad were always around. I, you know, seen, seen a lot, always run around with a lot of older kids and that in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And, um, you know, home was solid. It wasn't perfect, but what home is, <laughs> you know, also, um, you know, I grew up also in a home where uh, my dad just cheated on my mom their whole marriage. He was a railroader, and that's mm. that's what he did. And I'm, I know that's what led into a lot of my uh, pornography addiction that I struggled with, too, just, you know, being introduced to that, you know, at such a young age and, and lust and, you know, what was it about? I'm just curious, you know, all around. But my, my parents were still good. They took care of us. I didn't want or need for anything at all, you know, um, really my story was um, always just kind of mixed around with a lot of different crowds. So I'd, I'd know, you know, the preppy kids, the, the sportsters, the, I knew gangbangers, you know, just all kinds of different kids in high school. I'd run with them all. I was friends with everybody. Started dabbling in, you know, marijuana, I'd say age 12, 13. Did that till I was 18 and then got introduced to cocaine, acid, mushrooms, pretty heavy into cocaine, weed for, you know, my early 20s, cocaine. Then, um, let's say I was 24, 25, got busted growing weed, sobered up for about two years. And then I think I was 29, I got off probation and hit it hard again. Mm. And when I hit it hard, I was hitting, and in between that time I was doing steroids you know, because I wanted to be all buff and yeah. think I was mm-hmm. cool and look good and party and sleep with girls and all that stuff. That's you think it's fulfilling, but it's not. It just right. fulfills the flesh. It has n- no nothing else. It was all you know for myself to make mm-hmm. myself feel good. And so then when drugs came back around, I set, set the steroids aside and started doing dabbling into cocaine again. And you know, was, the weekend would be you know, Friday, Saturday, then it'd be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Tuesday, then next thing you know, you're doing cocaine seven days a week. And, Mm. you know, I did that for two years at the same time, working a job. I mean, I was a functioning addict during that time. Um, It was, uh, I thought I was doing good. I thought I knew a lot at 30. I thought I was on top of the world, but I wasn't. My world was slowly crashing down. And Mm. a couple years into that, it, it really crashed and it, it crashed hard. Um, so dealing with, you know, at that time I was doing a lot of powdered cocaine. You deal with a lot of paranoia. 
you know, schizophrenia, stuff like that. Not major, but just when I was using, thinking people were outside the windows. And, you know, I was living on the south side of Decatur, not not the best neighborhood, but I was working for Edie's Ice Cream, and it was going good. I was making good money. Um, at that time, my parents had divorced. And, you know, of course, you always hold on to that. It's never easy. Divorce isn't easy at any age, but as you're older, it's just like, dang. Yeah, like, yeah, because you look up to your parents for yeah. so long, and then it's like, man, that happens. And, yeah, we're 25, man. 26, and find out I got a brother I never met, and man, oh, wow. stuff like that, you know, still have never met him to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so, yeah. I mean, all these things, they add into it, and they're not intentional, but they, they affect you, and, yeah, and you don't even know to them, but as the Lord brings those stuff to surface, you got to deal with them as they come. It might be, you know, I had a situation, like, with some of the things that I dealt with, like, lust and stuff with my dad i mean wasn't direct it was indirect but it still affected me to where i was at a men's conference and the guy started talking about you know things of the past that can hold on that you can hold on to that you don't realize it but when they come to the surface you got to deal with them i'm like man this sounds like my dad right my phone rings i was at this men's conference out in carlinville it was my dad calling i'm like Okay, so then I, yeah, so I waited a couple of days, like, hey, I'll come by. So I went by there, and I told him I went by there. I was like, dude, I, you didn't do anything directly to me, but indirectly it affected right. me. So I forgive you, and we both start crying, you know, like that. It's just something we, my dad and I, were not super close. We try, it's just, it's just not there, you know, it's just, you know, it, it should be, but it's, it, honestly, it's not. So, but then at that same time, my mom had remarried uh, to a man named Terry Hart. Me and Terry were real close. He was more that father figure. Yeah. And uh, he was also, he'd sold real estate. At the same time, he was, he was scamming on top of it. So he eventually got caught and he was going to be sentenced to federal prison. And it, instead of going to prison, he killed himself. Mm-hmm. And the house I lived at, he rented the house. I rented the house from him and my mom. It was in the backyard of the house. So I mean, Terry were close and I never yeah. dealt with it. The, so when I got the call and I'm like, first thing I'm like my selfish how I can be selfish it's like I had a couple ounces of weed in the basement and I'm like well I hope the cops aren't in my house you know that was my thought I'm gonna go before I go to my mom's I'm gonna get some power cocaine because that's how I'm gonna deal with this I'm Mm -hmm. gonna get some cocaine and um that that will help get me through this I go to my mom's house you know she just lost her husband to suicide I'm showing up high on cocaine Mm -hmm. so then shortly I'd say within a month of that I was introduced to crack cocaine and I mean you know I'm still working at Edie's Ice Cream. Everything's going good, but within my world, just it, it it came crashing down. I mean, within a month of using crack cocaine, because it's it's slow. You're like, yeah, every day or every other day, every day. Then it's just full blown. Like that's what you want to do. You just want to smoke crack. That's how addictive it is. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up losing my job at Edie's. I got called for a drug test, and I'd been smoking crack, um, smoking crack, snorting cocaine smoking weed the night before i knew it. i tried to right. pass the test drank water took this flush it didn't and i ended up losing my job and then that started off my um just at that point that was whew, 2010 when he committed suicide i mean by early 2011 i was had no job my mom was enabling i was cashing my 401ks running with different dope dealers involved in different gangs i was running with outlaw bikers that I was also Damn, selling yeah. cocaine to and running with GDs, vice lords in the hood, selling white guy just selling crack cocaine in the hood, you know, like I was one of one of them, and that's what I luckily I got out of it. 
praise God I got out of yeah, it. How about that? Yeah. You know, so I mean, you just never know at that time. And and during that that same period is when I met uh, Isaac's biological mother. Courtney has, you, as you both know, Courtney yeah. adopted Isaac yeah. um, early early in our marriage within the first nine months. I'm gonna say she adopted him a month before Emerson was born. So, um, so as I was out out on the streets, and you know, I met uh, Isaac's mom. And she was she was a prostitute. That's what she did, and that's how I met her. You know, and we we just we enabled each other. We we mm-hmm. met at our worst is when we right. could have met. She was she had just lost her daughter to DCFS. Her then boyfriend was in prison. She was selling herself on the streets, and you know, and I was running around with a dope dealer who was selling her. And that dope dealer who I was running around with at that time, he got shot and killed back in August of twenty one. I saw that on Facebook. Mm. So I mean, <clears throat> it's just when you go that far into the streets there's no good outcome and you know by the grace of god that i was able to see that and experience that and to come out of it and live to tell about it because i'll tell people today somebody i might random you know hasn't happened in a while but somebody might call want me to deal with like their son addiction i'm like look the streets are going to chew you up and spit you out because that's what they do so yeah i was with christina from 2011 to 2013 i mean at that time we went from straight crackheads dude i mean we were pick people's trash like drive around the streets but people throw their stuff away go resell it pick cigarettes off the ground whatever we could do you know to get some money i never robbed or steal or anything like that because i still had some sense right you know even though i was you know full-blown smoking crack every day we'd go scrap metal and stuff like that living in a house with with no power no water and then um at the house i lived at is on the north side of decatur a guy named Charles lives across the street from us, and he was an old pastor. He's like 72, and, you know, we just started fellowshipping with him a little bit, and he would drive us around, like, go get cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would just bum him, bum, n- never money or anything like that, but just his time, and his right. wife right. couldn't stand it. But, um, you know, he I just can remember him saying to me, like, many are called, few are chosen. I'm like, what's that mean? Because he started taking me to a heart. Um, is it... Harvest Christian, yeah, Harvest yeah. Christian with Kurt. Well, at the same time, when I went there, the worship music just got me, man. I'm like, okay, this is good. So this is like kind of like short, heavy set dude, and he came up to me, and gave me this book, and uh, who's the old? Oh man, Luther, Martin Luther. Yeah, he gave me the book. I, I lost it, you yeah, know. But yeah. it was the, it was the act of giving me the right, book. Right. This is oh, I'm just gonna get good how this all ties in. So I really liked the worship music, and I was going to men's Bible studies, and you know, I I pick up on it. Plus, I'm a Gab and stuff like that. I'd go to men's breakfast and serve with them. Well, then they had a call to the altar, so I went up there. Pastor Bill, who used to live over on Emerson Court, he was a pastor there. So prayer all I went up there. And, you know, I'm kind of seeking the Lord, kind of understanding a little bit, in and out of treatment. Well, I totally forgot, left Isaac out of all this, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, uh, we'll, um, So he calls me to the altar, or he has a call. I go to the altar. He he didn't pray. I didn't do no sinner's prayer, right. you know, like right. lead me up. Like that's good and all, but it was more like an in- straight encounter. Like when I walked away, like he prayed for me. It was in spirit and flesh. When I walked away, I knew I needed Jesus. Mm. That's it. That's all I yeah, needed. Then cool. I then the Lord re- re- revealed Himself to me in different ways. Like I was sitting there, we had been binging on crack for like two days, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking in my head, like the, the part of um, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, where um, 
where Jesus says to Mary, I build all things new. I'm thinking that in my head. Well, then Passion of the Christ comes up on the TV and plays at the same time. I'm like, this is no coincidence. I had dreams where Jesus appeared to me in like yeah. doorways and stuff like that. So, I um, mean, whoops. So, I mean, it was just like the Lord just started working on me like that. And, you know, at the same time as I forgot, because I, like I said, I kind of go all over the place. <laughs> During the same time, <laughs> uh, Isaac, why well, I said Isaac, Isaac, Isaac was born of uh, 2012. And when he was born, he was born with crack cocaine in his system. And so immediately the state comes in, they take him, mm. they give you a service plan. I didn't do it. Right. You know, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd, I'd do some of it. And then we'd enable each other to go get high more. Or we'd find an excuse like, cause our relationship was verbally, mentally and physically abusive, mm. you know, and you know, Courtney was not Isaac's biological mother. So, you know, so just so. Because you know, right. sometimes that gets people thought it was Courtney before. Right. And it's not Courtney. Right. You know, Courtney came later. So I mean, at, so Isaac went to live with my mom, and we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna get clean together. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. And it's like, no. Mm-hmm. So and the door was open. I did outpatient at Heritage, and I'd go, and I could, I could get through a drug evaluation right. and talk my way right into not going away to treatment because I had things to do. Yeah. No, I didn't. All I had to do was get high. That was my job. That's what I did. And getting high. Working 40 hours a week, six hour a week is easy compared to getting high. Getting high is 24 7, 365. It never ends and it sucks, period. So we were, you know, she went away to treatment and I'd have a couple weeks sober. She'd come back, we'd start, we'd find some reason to get high again, sell our link card, always out of money. If any money from anywhere came in, it'd go right out the door mm-hmm. that same day. Then you're just back in the struggle. So then they wanted me to go to inpatient so I could get Isaac back because he was in he was with my mom at the time. So I'm like, like, yeah, I don't have time. And then it's just finally I just reached a point where it's like, okay, so we had spent three or four days running, getting high, probably a little sleep, fighting the whole time, cussing, physically, mentally, verbally abusive, because that's how our relationship was. And it, it just was it's terrible. No, I, I wouldn't want to see anybody in that position, right. you know, at all. I'd rather them get help, whatever, however that is. I mean, people use AA, good. I went to AA, but it just wasn't where I was called to be. I would never tell somebody not to go to AA. Right. Go to AA. Yeah. You got to figure out what works for you. I'll go to AA, but I'm going to talk about Jesus, not a higher power, because right. Jesus right. Christ is the higher yeah. power. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure I, I get my, you know, yeah. my Lord and Savior's coming, coming first, first out of my mouth. So um, they opened up the opportunity. They said, well, you could go to Springfield. And I'm like... No, I'm, I'm not. I can't go to Springfield. And they're like, okay, well, here's a paper in case. So there was one night we had a bad fight, and I was like, I'm leaving because I knew where the race was going. So I grabbed my dog, Santino, my pit bull. He's gone now. He's an awesome dog. You guys would have loved him. Dude. He was awesome. You guys think I'm cool? You, you should have met him. People will see me to today and be like, hey, what's up with your dog? I'm like, oh, he's gone. He's oh, been like 20. He's a memorable dog. Yeah, he's born like 2002. He's been through it all grow houses, drug houses. <laughs> Man, <laughs> whoremonger houses. <laughs> that dog saw some stuff. Crack houses. He'd seen it all. Yeah. Yes, and and he actually, I sent him away to foster care when I went and got clean. So, but no, I took the dog for a walk. So I'm walking him, and at the same time, I've been, you know, I can't say I found God because God was never lost. I was lost. Right, God yeah. was working on my heart, and you know, chipping away at it, but patiently, like He does with us. He, he's mm-hmm. not, he's not just gonna come in and throw the whip down. He he will now, you know, on me right. more. More than, you know, because I'm, you know, with that being right. mature in Christ, 
trying to anyway, you know, from day to day, because that's what it is. It's, it's growth, a man. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a process. Not, yeah. you can't, you're not going to go from zero to 60 just overnight. No, no. It'd be no fun in that. Yeah. You yeah, know, you we wouldn't grow. learn anything at all. Right. So, so yeah, I take the dog for a walk and I hear this, this <laughs> I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and it's like, it's time to go. I'm like, this doesn't sound like myself, right? <laughs> it's like, I never heard this voice. Like, where's, it's like, go to Springfield. It's not her time. It's your time to go. And I'm like, all right. It's like, okay. That's all it took. Just yeah. Go to that, it was at that like, one okay. time. It was like, I was like, okay. So I started calling Gateway. Couldn't give them a call me back. So I'm like, okay. Started calling once a day. They wouldn't answer. I was like, I'm going to call them every hour on the hour. So I got an intake date, October 22nd of 2013. No, it was October 12th, 2013. October 21st. I'm sorry. Of course, you any addict knows you'll push it back a day if you can. So yeah. I got my date set. I got the 21st, told them I couldn't make it. I called, got the 22nd, told them I couldn't make it. They're like, either you come on the 22nd or don't come at all. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So I went. So I had the neighbor across the street, Charles Sprague was his name, to treatment, drop me off. Isaac was my mom, Christina. She was going to stay back and uh, get clean. She, she never did. She uh, ended up losing rights to Isaac and she had another child. She was pregnant when we left. She said it was, she goes, it's yours. I said, no, it's not. I know it's not. It ended up not being mine. Mm-hmm. He went to be with a very good, strong family in the mm-hmm. Lord. Awesome. Um, you know, he has another sibling. She's with her great aunt doing well. We don't yeah. have, we don't talk to him. Right. It's just, yeah. we focus on our core that we have mm-hmm. and we're okay with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's had relationships with him. He's had play dates when he's younger, but it's just too much. Yeah. So we just focus on our family. I was at Gateway from October October 22nd, 2013 to, I want to say December 12th, 2013. And then I followed the protocol of what they say. They say you should stay in a recovery home, finish your services, your inpatient or your outpatient, do meetings and any other things you got going on. Because I had parenting things to do sure. in order to get yeah. Isaac back from the state. Because yeah. she was, in, she was, I was on the road of getting Isaac back. She was on the road of not getting Isaac back. Right. So I ended up um, staying in Springfield for 18 months and doing all my services. Um, at that same time, you know, I just started being involved with different churches. I was baptized uh, in water while I was at, at rehab because that's what I wanted to do. I would do like I didn't, I didn't know anything, but I was doing like Bible studies in my room at, at Gateway. I'm like, all right. See, even if you don't know Matt, that is exactly the kind of person Matt is. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah, just gonna go for to it, man. In. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna be perfect. I'm not looking for perfection because right. I serve a perfect God. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing I can do. So, and so I'm just different stuff like that. I was involved with my neighbors. They did a. Uh, they were like street evangelists, so I'd do like different work with them. And I was also baptized, you know, in the Holy Spirit too. So I was baptized in water and with fire. Mm-hmm. So I did that at a apostolic church. It was awesome. It was an all-black awesome. church. Man, I had to go so put cool. on. It was another water baptism, but it wasn't about the water baptism. Right. Right. Yeah. It was about receiving the Holy Ghost and yeah. walking in that. And yeah, so I, got, cool. I got dressed up in like a purple robe. Like it, <laughs> it was awesome because I knew it was meant for me because one of the the, the – um, one of my counselors at Gateway, he had left there, and then he's, I seen him. He, Bobby McKinney, awesome guy. He's, he wanted me to start coming to church with him, and we were doing. He was doing a men's group, and that some of these things gave me heart to do men's mm-hmm. ministry as yeah. well. You know, just little things like that that built was building up in me in order to do things. You know, 
So was, I'll never forget that day when it had an altar call and he moved out of the way. He's like, go on, Matt. So I went up there and, and got the Holy and Ghost, you, you know, I mean, <laughs> got that, you know, that, that too. So it, it was awesome. So yeah, I stayed in Springfield for 18 months and then I had to come down to a choice because all my services were done. My, my therapy, my therapy was done. My in, in outpatient was done. My men's parenting class was done. So I had to make a choice like, do I bring Isaac to Springfield or do I go back to Decatur? And I'm like, I, I can't go back to Decatur. That's how I looked at it. It's like, right. I, I can't go back. I, I, I can't do that. So, of course, I was up all night wrestling with it. So, I'm here and I go to the Netflix or the Red Box, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the Red Box? The yes. DVD? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah the Red Box. Store, like Walgreens, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, did, I rode my bike. I had a 10-speed. So, everywhere I got, when I was in Springfield, so I had multiple things to do. But they all lined out. Like when I had to do three drops, three drug screens a week, mm-hmm. it wasn't that far from my house. The mm-hmm. bus came right from my house. Right. I, I worked, you know, where I needed to work and days off when I needed to have them day off. Everything was just lining up. But then it came down to where it was like either I stay in Springfield by myself with no support system at all. And, you know, I'm I'm 33 years old with a two-year-old. Two I'm like, I don't even know right. anything about parenting at all. I really don't about caring for a child 24 7 365 so they're like you you could get public housing and i'm like i don't want no public housing i don't need that yeah I do it on my own mm. no man I'm, I'm riding my bike up to the red box and here's that small still voice again he's like <laughs> he's like time to go back to decatur and he's like you're not going alone you have me with you and i'm like all right so i call him of course you know I tell him, I was like, I need public housing. I need help. Uh, and then, so I got back to Decatur. That was 2015. I want to say it's been seven, almost seven years. I got back to Decatur 2015 and um, got Isaac back. I got back, moved back in May. I want to say he was back with me and they wanted him back with me immediately. But I got Isaac back in full custody. I want to say July. It was at Father's Day's in June, so it was in July, July twenty second of two thousand fifteen. Isaac okay. came back to live with me full time, and it's like it was just me and him. So then I started working, started just more things just started lining out. Like I worked for a guy who gave gave me a vehicle to drive. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaac had to be so in daycare because cool. my daycare was my mom, and it's like right. right. Being a parent, they're like and dealing with DCFS is like, no, that's not a plan. You have to have him somewhere for him to go. So I got the daycare. The daycare is on my way to work. It's just everything just lined out out perfectly. I mean, even though, you know, I would worry about it and how am I going to do this, how do that, he would always line it up. So I just kept moving forward with that. And then after I got Isaac back, I was asked to speak at the state capitol for Child Abuse Awareness Month in April of 2016. So I did it there in the tundra. It's Purple Ribbon Month. That's cool. And then at the same time, WA&D was like, we want to do an interview. And I'm like... Okay, because that way it's like it's like it's like I was like it was really for like if you wonder what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, it's opportunity to, to share my story with people. It's like the videos I shared that Sesha, you watched. Thank you. You're welcome. Sorry, Matt. I love you. I love <laughs> you. I was I was I was actually praying when you sent them to me, and I was like, I'll look at this when I get home, and then I got home and I was tired. Dude, I know. I dropped I the ball, Matt. I'm sorry. Hey, I feel you. I I got three. I got three at home too. Yeah, so. that's right. So yeah, so I came back in, you know, 2016, I started going to Tabernacle Church and 
I got, I, so I went there, I filled out the communication card and every church I go to, I always fill out a communication card. Well, they called. It was funny. They called, they texted, they called, they came out of my house and brought me cookies. And I'm like, all right, this other lady called when you come of a young adults group. And I'm like, how old are these kids? They're like 21, 22. I'm like, I'm like, all right, must be a reason for us. I'm like 34. I mean, they're, and I'm like giving them my stories, like the hardcore stuff. They're just wide eyed. And they're, yeah, they're like, uh, at Tabernacle. So they're probably, I have to talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, it's just different, you know. But, um, it was also, Courtney was in that, at, in that group as well, but she was married at the time and it was nothing, you know, nothing crazy like that. I was actually, my, my intentions were, um, at that time she was married was to help her husband establish because he was an atheist mm-hmm. or agnostic, one of the two, but I was going to help him like, Hey, cause I was doing the great banquet at that time. I was like, Hey, listen, I'll, I'll sponsor right. him to go to the great banquet, you know, to help out and stuff like that. Well, their marriage didn't end up working out. So they, um, their marriage didn't work out. They divorced and, and I didn't talk to her or anything like that. They did come to Isaac's, um, dedication. I did it over in Springfield. Um, they came over there and, you know, we were always cool, but they, their marriage just didn't work out. Sure. And Courtney reached out to me later and we ended up going out on a date and pretty much we were connected at the hip since then. <laughs> I mean, that's how it was. I just laid it out there when you know, you know, and I just told her, I was like, look, I'm, if I'm going to move forward with anybody, it's going to be serious. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to play around. I don't want to go back to that lifestyle. That lifestyle is not fulfilling. Just right. trying to sleep with girls and, you know, it's just. You're wanting a marriage. Yeah. I, I knew what I wanted. I wanted structure, you know, for, for Isaac and, and for myself too, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and I had a list when I left treatment. I had, I wish I, I should have brought that. I had a list of short-term goal, long-term goals. You know, they were different, like get Isaac back, get housing, finish this, finish that, and then move on to a real relationship, mm-hmm. a, 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 a mother for Isaac and a wife for myself. And, you know, I, I achieved all the goals, praise That's God. Awesome. Yeah. So um, Courtney and I met, we dated within three months, maybe two months I proposed. I think within a month we got our initials on each other somewhere. No, I got them on my side. Initials, <laughs> tattoos, C-A-L. She got M-B-L. Her mom thought we were nuts. Well, but I knew it, so we ended up... Um, you know, getting married. Um, also, Emerson, we found out Emerson was, she was pregnant the week before we were married. You know, so yeah. we, she got up and I knew it because his dates, you know, they just, she woke up, she's like, I gotta take a pregnancy test. I'm like, okay. She came back, she's like, I'm pregnant. I was like, okay. She's like, you're excited. I was like, I knew it when you got up and had to go because it was the, it was Father's Day. And the year before on Father's Day is when Isaac and I had our first overnight visit with oh, nobody man. watching at all so it's just Aww. those dates were good i mean yeah so you know we were doing things out of wedlock that we shouldn't but we also wanted to be married to show isaac like you know this is the way it's supposed to be done mm-hmm. you know things we had to repent on you yeah. know of course you know it, you don't want to leave anything out there well back to that thing it's like we're not perfect mm-hmm. you know it's a couple struggle with it you know it's lust right. of the flesh i mean so yeah we got married june 25th 2016. I forgot that the last podcast. And I did a podcast with Kim, Kim Parrish and Leslie Kaffer, and I forgot it. And, I, and Kim was at my wedding. She's like, June 25th, Matt. It's like, okay. So I had to get her out with said June 22nd. That's my yeah, sister's but you birthday. Got it. You got yeah. it. I think you got I got it right. celebrating too. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we got married and then we had, um, so then Emerson was born February 16th of 2000. 17 yeah he just turned five and then 
he was six months old and they went to Oregon on vacation. I stayed back and worked and we got a call. She was pregnant again. And I'm like, okay. So like, wow, this is going to be busy. This was unexpected. I mean, yeah. these are birth control babies. I was like, yeah. God don't make mistakes. So that's right. what I tell somebody yeah. at a, look, God don't, there is no mistakes, whatever it is. If it's something bad, then he'll work all that out, you know? Right. You know, he'll work it all out. But he doesn't make mistakes when it comes to comes to speaking life. Right. So, you know, she was pregnant with with uh, Brantley. He, we found out he was going to be a boy. Well, then um, it was the Friday after Thanksgiving, and um, she went to the bathroom, and she she started screaming, and her mom and her mom's boyfriend were there, and she was bleeding like heavily, and we're like, this isn't good. You know, it's like well, we hope it's nothing, but it's not good. So we go to the emergency room, and. Um, you know, they're like morbid. It really was the most morbid. They're like, uh, probably not going to really work out. You know, people can come in and hold the baby. And I'm like, I'm like, so the baby's going to be alive. They're like, no, it's probably not going to make it. I'm like, okay, this is, man, you know, yeah. it's a lot for me. I'm in, yeah. Corey, we're like freaking out. And like, yeah. Nate comes up there. Pastor Nate comes up there. Pastor Mark comes up there. Lynn comes up the next Pastor Lynn comes up the next day and just like loving on us and stuff like that. And we just we're like, we're gonna wait and see what happens. We're not gonna me, I want to protect my wife first thing. Right. Like, like, let's just do what you have to do. That's right. me also being selfish and not trusting the Lord like I should have. And Courtney's like, No, I want to see what's gonna happen. She sat upside down for like two days, you know, with her legs up in the air trying to because he was dangling in the birth canal because she had an incompetent cervix and she tried to send anything to get him to go back up in mm -hmm. so they could put a cerclage in a rescue cerclage right. so it wasn't working out um so ended up getting transferred over to st john's and at the same time it's like well here's that reserve if something ever is going to happen i'm going to smoke some weed mm -hmm. so i call one of my you know guys i grew up with um you know i could he's one of my best friends growing up but is he really one of your best friends when right. it's like you know hey i need some weed okay yeah i'll get it for you I mean, you know, so it's my worldly best friend. I don't talk to him anymore. I love him. Yeah. Wish the best for him. But I called him. He lived in Springfield. I was like, I need some weed. Mm. Oh, if it makes you feel better. So. And how long had you been clean? I had just celebrated four years. Okay. And we had just joined the church because when we joined the church on October 22nd of that year of 2018. 18. 18 yeah it's been four years so i just hit four years and on that okay. day it's like we we were out there and i looked at the the bulletin it's like uh you can join the church on this day and do the class I'm like that's my sobriety yeah. it's all meant to be it, right? yeah so i'm up there on the stage and mark's like you know if you got anything to say i was like oh i'll say something. i was like <laughs> yeah. i got four years sobriety i've never been in, never talked to that front of that many people live it's like a four year sobriety praise the lord it wouldn't be here without him but god still knew i was going to deal with this you know he, right. he knew what was going to happen so, you know, we, we got through that and then four weeks later or a couple, yeah, like four weeks later, you know, right after Thanksgiving, we had the issue with Brantley and then I'm going to Springfield. I'm like, well, I'll just smoke some weed. So then that was a Friday or it was like a week had passed almost. Yeah. Almost a week had passed of her being at St. Mary's and we got transferred to uh, Carol Dravecki children's unit because, you know, they're really good care over there. So... It was a Friday. We got there on a Friday, and then that Saturday, she had some procedure done, and I'm like, well, I'll go get it. I got the weed. I was like, I'll go get a little glass pipe. And, you know, I, I sat in the parking lot, and I took a puff of it. 
And I just felt my world just crash down. I was like, what in the world did I just do? You know, I was like, this is terrible. I felt terrible. I freaked out, threw it away, ended up getting more before I left. Then I had to go upstairs. My wife's like coming out of like a minor surgery. Here it is. I'm stoned. Yeah. You know, freaking out. Like, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? I don't even know what to do right now. I was just like, I won't tell her because I threw it away. And then, of course, before I leave, I go get more, mm. you know, and then that, that just cycled like every six months. And I was working for my mother-in-law's boyfriend, you know, collecting unemployment, working for him, all cash under the table, you know, just, just all kinds of stuff that wasn't right and thinking I'm doing right, but I'm not. And I was putting my family through hell. I'd call Courtney and start a fight with her on my way home because I'm dealing with this addiction. Right. And, you know, because I'm just feeling guilty because I'm, I'm in, I do all the bills and I'm pulling out of our savings pair of bills so I can go buy all this high dollar weed and I don't smoke it. I'm just collecting it. So I was addicted to just collecting it and smoking just, a, you know, a little bit because I couldn't get away with it. One day, one night I was, I smoked a little bit at the back door. She smelled it. I was like, oh, it's just a cigarette. She knew it. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't, she didn't bring it out there. So it was just, you know, I, I dealt with that for, for six months just um smoking and then she finally looked at the history on my internet because you know i struggled with pornography and she she looked through my phone and seen you know where i clear my search history Mm -hmm. i thought i could clear my search history it's never clear it's in there (laughs) it's in there forever she knows how (laughs) to find it so she found it and you know i got she uh because i struggled with pornography on and off and so she she caught that and then, you know, so we had that. So she went through my phone while I was looking up all these different strains of marijuana, mm-hmm. like what they were. And she's like, are you smoking weed? I came home and I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, where is it? I'm like, I'm like, here. It was like this. Like, like, so examples, like, here's this little square. She's like, no, where is it? I'm like, okay, so here's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, no, where is it? Then it's like, right? Oh, yeah. The stash. Like a thousand dollars. She's like, "What the is wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I've been dealing with it." She's like, "Well, I'm getting rid of it." So she puts it all in this bowl and dumps milk in it. She and threw it away. She's like, "You ain't smoking this." So and I didn't. I, I and I that was the last time I smoked. It's been almost four years ago. But um, so she's like, "Well, you need help," and I'm like, "I'm not going to rehab over weed." That's my Attic thinking, right. like, sure. I'm like, no, that that's not what I'm gonna do. But there was a time when it was after Brantley's funeral. That Brantley's funeral's on a Thursday, a Sunday. We went up to get prayer, and that night is when we were laying in bed, and I was looking at pornography. I exited the windows. So well, she seen it, and then she went through my phone and found all my history of, mm-hmm. of all my part that I thought I could hide. Mm. You can't hide it. You know, so, and, and I'm, I'm glad it all got exposed, yeah. you know, so she went through and then we had, did covenant eyes and all that. And, um, so that Sunday we went to the altar and we had Rick pray for us or scoot over. So Rick said to me, I was like, yeah, I did Courtney wrong. I didn't say anything what it was. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I'm, I'm also still smoking weed. Right. And Rick gets that finger out <laughs> and he starts pointing that long, big finger. And he's like. When you're ready to deal with this demon, you call me. Mm. So that's when, when Courtney caught me up smoking weed, I had, um, I knew I was going to call Rick. I was like, okay, I know who to call. So I go up, I see Rick. I tell him at the altar, I call him, 
And he's like, you know what? He goes, the Lord was just telling me I'm going to start ministering to a few men and you're the first one that's called me. Mm. I was like, okay. So I went up and got prayer and I started meeting with Rick. And at that same time, I started doing the men's group at the river. Because that, that's where it's like, even though we could be dealing with something, the Lord will still use us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because 100%. he's growing us through that. He and I just. not to be perfect. Absolutely. No, because we never will be here. Right. And, and to me, I feel as if that. If more people would just, like, you know, do things, not, not, I, I don't want people to live in that guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Because when you do, you're not, you won't do what the Lord has for you to do. There's always going to be a struggle, always have to be. You just have to grow through those things and let Him work those things out of us and for His good and for His glory and do that. So at the same time, when I'm smoking weed, I'm doing this men's group. Well, it's not growing. So then, Courtney, all this stuff comes to light. And I start meeting with Rick and then, it just changes, you know, when you have somebody who disciples you yeah. in your life. But it's also for him. He's been walking with the Lord like 40 years. I'm walking with the Lord like six at this time, right? And it it's still it's good for the, both people. For both, yeah. Because you you can you're the Lord's there because we're two or more gathered. He is there, and, and you know he's in the midst working too. He's just he's making ways and helping bring things to light, exposing roots that you can deal with at that time. So I was just meeting with Rick, and at that same time, and I'm like. I'm not saying anything to him because I didn't want to look bad. Right. Well, then I Nate came over for dinner, and then I was like, "Look, man, I've been smoking weed. Please forgive me. I I should have, you know, told you about it." He's like, "I forgive you." And then him and Courtney, they're like, "You're an evangelist." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Evangelist?" I'm like, "I don't know evangelist." They're like, "Yeah, you talk to Jesus, but people, Jesus, you don't even know, and you're meeting with an evangelist. You're an evangelist." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm like, all right, I guess I'm an evangelist." So I just started just like, I'm going to be more intentional about witnessing mm-hmm. to people and just, you know, talking to more people about the Lord. Cause it's not yeah. like you need 500 people. I'm not Billy Graham right, and right. evangelist. Billy Graham was rare. He was one of a kind, just like people are one of a kind and they're used in different ways. You can be a work at evangelist. You can be working in this building where we're at right now. And I think that's so cool. Even, even in hearing all of this story, I think that a couple things stick out. I think first off, the, the fact that you just tell it so matter of fact, like this is what I did. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, is it just, it, it, it is you using your story to do exactly what you're talking about for that evangelism. It's, it's letting your story speak to other people. Yeah. Um, how long did it take to get there to that place of, of you saying, you know what, this is what I've walked through and this can help other people. I've always been transparent when it come to come to my story. It's just as it's been a while since I've told it. Yeah. And usually it'll be like three things will happen, but it's really just about being transparent. It's like, I really don't care what people think Yeah. because I know what, who Jesus says I am and I'm a born again, fire, fire breathing, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, at yeah. different times. I mean, it's like when I go to uh, Niger, I, I'm Apostle Matthew when I go there. And so pa- Pastor Omar started calling me Apostle Matthew the first time. I'm like, no, the next time I, when I went the next time, I'm like, well, Apostle Matthew, when I'm there, I'm, I'm not going to walk around. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm, don't be afraid. If God's, if somebody speaks something over your life, walk in it. Absolutely. And so I just, you know, it's called an evangelist. So I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to start start being more intentional about it. And, yeah. You know, but, and is it all the time? Do I have it 100, am I going 100 miles per hour? No. I right. get busy with life. I, I get busy with different things and you know, I got a wife and three beautiful children at home. And yeah, that are all little mats. I've seen them running, man. They're they're insane. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, God's still in the middle of it. I mean, we'll, yeah. So he he's good, man. It's just it's just a matter of just just walking things out and yeah. just knowing that 
you know, when you walk through addiction, you just have to be real careful because it's any any little thing what I have to be careful with. Yeah. Like hot peppers. I have to be careful because I'll grow 300 plants and not know what to do with them. <laughs> right. You know, anything can become an addiction or, you know. Right. Yeah. So. So what do you think? What What is that? If you pinpoint it, man, what is that thing that, you know, I was walking in addiction and participating in it and then this happened and then of your whole story, what is that one part? That set me on fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brantley passing away. Okay. I mean, that was the one because that, that, because I went through the four years of sobriety and everything was good. And then he, you know, to sit there and watch him do that and me to not lean on Jesus, but to, to start smoking, to go into my wife, catch me up on my phone, pornography, to Rick speaking that at the altar, to meeting with Rick six months later, to meeting Rick for nine months, every Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And watching it as you hang those things up and then letting the Lord, you know, work in you. Because then the men's groups are taken off. You know, it's like six dudes to like 30 dudes to walking away from that because it was a job for my family to Mm -hmm. Dunkin' Donuts. And that watching that open up to 30 dudes and they're worshiping and and being set free and stuff like that. But it really was. It was Brantley's death. I mean, one of the hardest times and, and my wife harder for my wife than it was for me because Asesha, you know mm-hmm. we all, I don't know what it's like to carry a baby to have a baby in me right like, you yeah. know all the time you know it's it's not easy and you have been through pregnancy loss as mm-hmm. well too so yeah. you know one of the things I heard you say Matt that was really important was you know the the times that the Lord brought certain people into your life or across your path you you talked about Charles and how Really, he was instrumental in your life in bringing you to the Lord, to bringing you to church. And then, you know, then further down your journey, you talk about Rick and how Rick kind of brought you back to that place. And I think it's important for people to know that we have to have accountability in our lives. We have to, you know, we talked about doing life together yesterday in one of our podcasts. And it's so important to have people to do life with you, to know your story, to walk with you. But have you seen the Lord allow you to be that person for someone, to walk with someone that has gone through something similar to what you've gone through? For more, I'd say for me, it's not never really one-on-one. It's more like a group setting. Yeah. Okay. Like, and, and it's like leading a group. I think it's not hard to lead a group. It's just like when people hear leader, they want to be this front outspoken leader. It's not, it's a facilitator. Right. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Watch what people are doing and how the Lord's working on them. And just lead accordingly. And sit back and let the Lord lead. I'm not a Bible. I, I'm not going to run a Bible study. I'll step in if I have to. Yeah. But I'm not. I, I'll focus. I can do a little bit of all gifting. And that's just me. I mean, but for like one-on-one to pour into people, I've met with people one-on-one a little bit, but never to the extent like what Rick did for yeah, me. Yeah, the discipleship, the, the the consistent, super deep, and and I think that makes sense too. Even just looking at like the the fivefold gifts, right? I think you have shepherds, then you have evangelists, and everyone cares about growing the kingdom. Everyone cares about sharing the Lord with people. But I think for like evangelists, it's different. It's man, come taste and see what this mm-hmm. is, and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I think. And, and would you agree with that? Like that's kind of how you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say definitely I, walking in for for me personally is more the apostle is a, a little Your bit in each gift. Yeah, yeah, it j- just kind of like a little bit of everything because yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm scattered. 
I'm, I'll take you down five right. We'll talk about everything. If I don't see you, we'll talk about everything. You know. Also. Oh, yeah, it's we'll great. Talk, we'll talk about everything that I haven't seen in six months, but we're going to catch up real quick. Yeah, we're going to know everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to know what's going on. And then just, but I'd say that's it. I mean, So you know, let me ask this, man, because it seems like community is super important, like what Sasha was saying. How, how important would you rank community and, and the, the recovering from addiction part and the walking out your life with the Lord? Community? Huge. Huge. Because as I started, when I got back to Decatur, I was serving at the Great Banquet. I served and then I spoke and that, that got me comfortable telling my story more. You know, then I went and did it at the state capitol. Then I did it on WND News. And then I did a fundraiser for a bunch of lawyers in Springfield and stuff. You know, different stuff like that. And then then it doesn't happen for a while. Then it'll happen in threes. Mm-hmm. So then I always just got to be like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know, but discipleship's huge. Mm-hmm. Fellowship's huge. Mm-hmm. Honesty's huge. And just telling people what you struggle with. We're not here to condemn you. We're, we want to help you through this thing. And and that's like what, you know, as, as different things as, you know, like Mark and meeting with the elders and stuff in the church, that's what it's going to look like. It's just mm-hmm. being more present in people's lives yeah. and stuff like that. It's helped the shepherd people and stuff like that. And, so a new calling, new anointing. Okay. So tell me how um, the transition with getting Isaac back, because you really hadn't had Isaac at all, right? Since he was born, he went no. to live with your mom. He was with my mom for two so and a half years. So how did that transition, how did that work for you? I mean, here you are recovering from an addiction, stepping into being a parent that you'd never been before, raising mm-hmm. a two-year-old, being a single dad. Like, how was that for you? It was it was hard. It was challenging because I didn't know anything. I knew. I, I mean, you know. took some parenting classes, but yeah. let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was really hard. And my mom, my mom just helped me out. I mean, my mom was, she was my biggest, when I was using, excuse me, she's my biggest enabler, but mm-hmm. she's also my biggest supporter. Right. Her and my cousin, Jeff, uh, my cousin, Jeff Layton. I mean, he was just always just, no matter what, he was always there. Even though he didn't live in Decatur, he lived in Indianapolis and then Kansas City, but he was always there. Right. You know what I mean? And just, it was just, and he was the best man at my wedding and my mom. You know, I mean, those two were really just, they didn't turn their back on me at all. I had some of my best friends sure. that are my, are my best friends to today. They don't serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they know what I'm about. They know I'm, if I go over there and they're having a party, I'm not going to drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke pot. Even though it's legal, I don't want none of that. Right. I don't need any of that. Um, but they just, you know, they, it's that thing, ah, he smoked, he was smoking crack. Let's, let's not, you know, let's not deal with them. But it was hard. But my mom, she, she helped me out a lot, but I just had to really just had to do it. Yeah. I'd get him to daycare and then I'd go in, he was at Decatur daycare and then I would do my drug screen right next door at St. Mary's mm-hmm. and then I'd go to work and then it was on my path because I lived out off 22nd mm-hmm. street. I was able to take my guy. I got my dog back. He was in foster oh, care, nice. you know, and then, but yeah, it, it all worked out. It did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let me, let's kind of wrap this podcast up by just asking this. If, if, if someone's listening to this and they've been walking through addiction or they know somebody that's walking through addiction, man, how do you, what would you tell them? How would you encourage them? Don't be ashamed to get help. Yeah. That's number one. It's, it's like. The world's going to tell you you're one person, but the Lord Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's the one who, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one who's going to, who orders your footsteps. And if you allow him to order your footsteps, he'll, he'll put the right people in your life. He'll send, he might send you to rehab. 
He'll take you out of bad relationships. He'll do whatever he has to do on his end because he's standing at the door knocking and he wants to be let in to help you out through mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Get help. Don't be afraid. Come talk to me. Come talk to a pastor. Nobody's here to beat you up. We all have our struggles. Addiction comes in gambling, cigarettes, pornography, drugs, alcohol, money, gardening, shoes, shopping. Yeah. There's all kinds of Food. things. Don't let those things. I mean, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> COVID carbs are real. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be ashamed of it because I'll tell you what, I, I have no problem telling my story. And the, the only reason I am is because the Holy Spirit leads me to be bold and to tell my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen, dude. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for walking us through that whole story. There really is value in hearing other people's stories. Like, I think yes. that it's it's so underestimated how big of an impact that can have. Um, so thank you, Matt. We appreciate yeah. it, man. Thank, thank you guys for having me on. Hope Thanks, we can Matt. Do it again. It's, it's exciting to see that God always has a plan and a purpose in all things. So what a great encouragement for us today. Thank you for joining us on the Real Life Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please remember to subscribe to stay up to date on every new episode and announcement. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to suggest a new topic for future shows, please email us at reallife at visitlife.org.